Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. These are the readings for March 28, 2021. Our first reading comes from Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9a, beginning with the fourth verse. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced, therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near, who will contend with me. Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me. Who will declare me guilty? The second reading comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, beginning with the fifth verse. Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, verse, chapter 27, verses 32 through 54. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they'd offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he wants to, for he said, I am God's Son. 
The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him on, in this way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sambachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And after his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were watching over Jesus saw the earthquake that had taken place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was God's son. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the world of theater and cinema, there is a performance convention known as the fourth wall. It's an imaginary wall that separates the story being told from the real world it's being told to. So I want you to take a moment and just picture yourself watching a play. And you can see in your mind's eye that the actors on stage are surrounded by three walls, one on either side and one behind them. What you don't see is the fourth wall in front of them. That wall is left out. It is invisible so that you can see in and witness the story that the actors are telling. Now, the actors can break this fourth wall by interacting with the audience. Sometimes this is done on purpose, sometimes it's an accident. Mel Brooks, if anybody's a Mel Brooks fan from back in the day, he did this all the time in his movies. For us Gen Xers, it's what Ferris Bueller did in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he'd turn and he'd look at the camera and he'd talk to us. He's breaking the fourth wall. When the fourth wall is broken, we, the audience, get to move from being observers to participants. We get to participate in the drama and be drawn into it. And Palm Sunday is one of those times in worship where we get to break the fourth wall. We read about the preparations Jesus makes for his entry into Jerusalem, and we, we observe the disciples go and get the colt and lay cloaks on top of it so Jesus can get on top. And we, we read more that Jesus enters into the city on this colt. But then in the moment when Jesus actually arrives in the city and this throng of people crowd around him and they, they are so excited for, for what this could possibly mean for them, at that moment, we also pick up palm branches and we break the wall between us and this story being told, and we join in, shouting, Hosanna, save us. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Today, for the briefest of moments, we get to enter into this sacred story as awkwardly as we might and share in the joy of possibilities that Jesus could be the kind of conquering king 
that would put an end to the broken powers of this world. And I got to tell you, I love it. I love Palm Sunday. When I was a kid back in the day, Palm Sunday was just Palm Sunday. And it was all, you didn't read any of the other scriptures of the Passion. It was just Palm Sunday. And so it was this huge day of celebration. And I would be that kid who found the palms that still weren't separated so that I could tear them apart and then I'd have two to whirl around. You know, I'm sure my, my grandparents loved that I was acting that way. Uh, but I love, I love this. I love this feeling of, of knowing that Jesus could, if he wanted to, conquer in the way I want him to conquer. And I want to stay in it. I don't want to get to the passion readings that we do now because now in these last couple of decades, the church adds on passion to palms so that you don't leave here and come on Easter without ever hearing this Good Friday story. But I love resting in the Palm Sunday part of it. I love resting in that power that Jesus might actually have to conquer things. But as I said, on Palm Sunday, as quickly as we wave palms at the beginning of service, we switch gears to the passion of Jesus. The homily in the middle of this service, the sermon, is the hinge upon which this service swings from palms to passion. My job is to somehow move you from the joy and excitement that palm branch waving brings to the truth and reality of the betrayal that leads Jesus to the cross. That is my job up here. My job is to remind you that the cloaks that people threw on the ground so Jesus could walk over top of them without getting his feet dirty or the feet of this colt dirty, well, those get picked up and dusted off and put back on to keep people warm as they watch Jesus hang from a cross on this hill in Golgotha along with two other criminals. Our would-be Lord hangs there in the middle. Our certainty that Jesus was this special, unique, and powerful thing fades as we realize on Good Friday that he is just another criminal, and this is just another day for Rome to flex its power and show us who's in charge of this world. It might be all too much to bear if we didn't know the rest of the story if we didn't know that there is another wall being broken here. And this time, it is Jesus breaking in to our story. When Jesus dies on the cross and that temple curtain tears in two, that is Jesus ripping into our lives and saying, I am not that kind of king. I am not the kind of king that's going to wield a sword for you. I am not the kind of king that's going to just fix it all and make you fight for me. I'm not the kind of king that's going to sit on a golden throne. I am not that kind of king. But I will sit in the darkness with you. I will identify with the shame you feel. I will bear the sin you carry. I will take that to the cross with me. The doubt, the disappointment, the disillusionment, the disease, I will carry those. That is the kind of king I will be. And I will tell your story to my father. And he will hear who you are through my eyes. That's the kind of king I will be. And when we see that fourth wall break, 
when Jesus enters into our lives, when we grasp the kind of love that kind of king has, it changes the reality that we walk in. It moves us to break a few walls of our own and enter into our neighbor's lives. We find courage to not just sit on the sidelines and observe what's going on with people, but to enter into the joy and pain of their experience. Now, what does that look like? What does it look like to break the fourth wall in our daily lives into response to what Jesus has done for us? Well, I can tell you what it looked like for me once. So to become a pastor, your home congregation has to vouch for you. For lack of a better word, they, they, have, to, they have to vouch. You enter into the process and you stay in the process of being a pastor so long as your home congregation sees in you someone equipped to do this kind of work. So thank God I got into this process before Facebook. <laughs> They'd have seen the real me. <laughs> anyway, your home congregation, they attest to your interpersonal skills, your moral standing in the community, your character, all that. So my home congregation of St. Mark and Belleville put together a little committee about 15 years ago who worked me all the way through seminary. They supported me, they prayed for me, they vouched for me. But at year two of my seminary education, as many of you have heard me talk about before, my personal life just imploded, absolutely fell apart. And as many of you have heard me talk about it before, I can now at this stage in life, I can openly talk about and grieve the shame and embarrassment I felt facing divorce. But back then, I kept it under wraps for as long as I could. And I didn't tell anybody for as long as I could. But the Sunday where I would have to attend church without my little family of four, was rapidly approaching. And I knew I would have to tell this committee of people. I knew that I would have to do it. And I was just sure that they were going to pull the plug on seminary. And I was just sure that they would tell me that I needed to take time off to reevaluate where my life was going. And I was just sure that they were going to judge me and wonder what was wrong. What was my character flaw? What, what could I possibly have going on that would cause someone to leave me? Lord knows I was saying those things to myself. Wouldn't other people be saying that about me too? So I rehearsed and I practiced what I was going to say, how I was going to say it, and I just prepared myself to be as stoic and as strong and as composed and as confident as I could be, even though I knew it was an act. So I get together with these five people, this little committee at St. Mark, and I go in the library and I go through the script eyes forward, voice as steady as I could get it, and I get it all out and I say it. And then when I'm done talking, I sit and I wait. And it's dead silence. No one is talking, and I'm just sure that's it. They're just waiting for one person to break the seal. But then Julie Valerius speaks up and she says, it's going to make you a better pastor. And then she starts crying and she says, God's going to use this in some way. And I just broke down sobbing. And then the wall broke for real, and everybody started sobbing. And I knew they would help see me through. Brothers and sisters, that is Jesus. 
breaking through a carefully constructed reality that I had put up around myself to deal with the sin and the shame and the doubt and offer in its place love and mercy and forgiveness through my neighbor's words and actions. That is your Lord Jesus. That is who he is for you on this day, tomorrow, and every day until the moment he carries you home. That is the kind of king we are waving these palm branches at. The kind of king who gives us strength and courage to not simply observe the realities of others like voyeurs, but to break through and to sit in their pain and to bear their cross with them. And when we take these palms with them today, and that's what you're going to do, you are going to take these palms with you today, and you're going to put them somewhere in your home where they can be safe for a year until we gather them on Ash Wednesday. Tuck them behind a mirror, tuck them, tuck them behind your welcome sign at your door, put them somewhere where you will see them every single day. And don't worry about how dried out and hard they'll get. The, the more wear they get, the better. But keep them somewhere where you can see them every day because they will remind you that the Holy Spirit is still at work in the wall-breaking business because I guarantee over this next year, you will doubt it, you will doubt that God is at work in this mess and that God's got it all covered. And that palm branch will remind you that our lives are not some play, that God is watching from afar and wondering how it will turn out. He has got it. God is in there working in and through your reality. God is in your life every day through the love of Jesus, bringing about his kingdom through your experience, making use of every joy and every sorrow that these palms will bear witness to over the next year so that you know, for Jesus' sake, there is no wall between you and that hope. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to save us. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.